Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship, where we get to talk horses. We're your hosts. I'm Renee Hare. And I'm John Hare. Thanks for listening and sharing our horsemanship journey. On today's show, we go back to a show that was originally published back in 2014, I think, Renee. Went into the archives, did you? I did. I had to go into a time when you were still working and couldn't... Uh, oh, make... the, the dark time. <laughs> the dark ages. The dark, yeah. You weren't available for every uh, interview. Right. I had to try and hold down the fort myself. <laughs> One of the first big names we got, and I consider him a big name, was Tommy Turvey. Tommy is an extreme... Well, he calls himself a, an extremist. He's a... He, Just... Yeah, he does everything, Roman riding, stunts for movies, he's doing some work in uh, on a couple of TV shows now. Well, it's been a couple of years since this interview first aired. I thought it would be fun to air this Thanksgiving week, people might be traveling. And it tells the story of how Tommy grew up with horses, how he had a dream and he stuck with it. With each job, he kind of grew more and more into the to the role that he had dreamt for himself. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very inspirational, and he's just had an exciting life and continues to. And he's sure amazing with horses. So let's go back to 2014 and my solo interview <laughs> with Tommy Turvey. Were horses always a part of your life? Uh, yes, they were. My dad and mom, they had horses always. Through thick and thin, they had horses. No matter what, we had horses, you know. Uh, growing up, sometimes we didn't always have a lot of money, but we always had horses. Did he have a cattle ranch, or were you in the ranching business? or how? Why was well, it so important to have horses? See, they, they loved the horses. They tried to make money here and there. I'm sure everybody knows how that works. But, uh, you know, at one time <laughs> they had a, a, a paint stallion, Jackson Dunnett, by Who Dunnett. It was a pretty uh, famous breed uh, in the 80s. A stallion, and uh, we were breeding that at the house, so they were into breeding for a while. And then, you know, starting out, you know, my dad would go, we'd go to auctions and buy horses for pretty cheap or find them somewhere for cheap, and we'd put uh, some time on them and ride them. That's how I started riding the horses. I mean, extreme was that at, at those sale barns, I'd go in there and, and jump on a horse's back and run them around in that tight arena. You know, just hang on like a monkey. You can't really, well, you stay on and, you know, keep your legs up. Most horses I could ride. And then I'd ride them while the guy's sitting there screaming and the, um, the auctioneers were running. And then, uh, you know, from there we'd sell the horse. So I, I started doing that, making money when I was really young. How old were you then? Probably 10. The first time I did it for my dad, you know, was riding horses uh, in a sale like that. And then probably it was about 12. I was always a real small kid, so uh, you'd look at me back then and you'd think I was probably three to four years younger than I actually was. Really? And, yeah. and what? when did you decide you wanted to be a, a horse trainer? Or did you make that decision, or did it just come about? Well, you, I mean, that's the trainer, you, you, everybody's a horse trainer, you know, and uh, I, I realized that right away when my dad said, you know, he always told me. My dad always said you have to be smarter than the horse. That's his uh, his one famous line. You want to you want to be able to train the horse. You got to be smarter than the horse. Uh-huh. I'm saying that's mine. <laughs> I've got other <laughs> ones. 
Uh, that's pretty cool. I that's like what it. he always told me from when I can remember. That's what he said. My dad told me that since I was a kid. You're you're a trainer. You gotta you know respect the horse and make the horse respect you. And that's what I always just grew up doing. When did you start doing stunts on horses? Well, I mean, I guess you can consider it a stunt. I did the play days and stuff, but you know, we call them play days back then. I think they called chimcanas. Kids uh-huh. will ride around the poles and do all that. I did that when I was all through uh, 10th grade and then started doing high school rodeo. But my first time I ever seen a live show was in, in rodeos, but not really that. I seen Wilbur Flogger and that, but I went to this show called Medieval Times Dinner Theater. In, I remember that. Yeah, in Kissimmee, Florida. They, ha- they actually ha- now have like 10 or something around the United States. But uh, it's the medieval time of dinner theater, and I've seen that show. And uh, I wanted to move to Florida anyways. I just came out here to visit my parents who had moved out here. So, uh, well, not here. I'm in Georgia now. But they moved out to Florida. And so I went out there and seen that show medieval times. And I went backstage, and I said, what would it take to get a job here? And he said, well, can you ride a horse? And I said, yeah. And I said, well, that doesn't matter, because you're not going to be riding a horse anyways. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I got a job there. And uh, making, yeah, I'd run out and pick up the knights and catch the swords and pick them up, and and uh, eventually, you know, that that lasted for about six months. Never got to ride too much. I'd ride in some of the drills. Uh, medieval times is really, um, and they still are uh, seniority. You know, if the knight's been there for a long time, it doesn't matter how good somebody else is. You have to wait till they're out. There was, there was no um, advancement, very fast advancement for someone like me who could. At that time, I could ride better than most of the nights there. Right. And, you know, and I was just 18 years old. From there, I seen a show down the road called Arabian Nights Dinner Theater in Kissimmee, Florida. That was in 1989. Went down there, got a job, and that's where I learned to trick ride, to uh, drive a chariot, to Roman ride. We jumped through hoops of fire, the bareback riding. I did a lot of bareback riding and vaulting. I had to do drag to get drug across the arena. I get jerked off a horse dressed as an Indian, stuff that I put together myself. And then, wow. you know, we did, we did drive, we had a lot of driving, draft horse driving and, um, small buckboard driving, like fast buckboard. So I was really fortunate to go out there and see that show because although I was good with horses growing up as a kid, I never, they always cost us money. I never knew I could ride, have fun and, and you know, and, and then pay for itself. Right. And it happened to be something I was really good at. One of the things that I've always wondered about, particularly with uh, when I'm seeing those trick riders, is what's the learning curve on that, and, and how do you survive that? I mean, how many falls do you take while you're Roman riding or, or learning how to do fall off a chariot or, or get pulled off of a horse? I mean... The learning curve is, too, and I tell everybody, all my students, and we practice before we even stand on, or I even let anybody stand on the Roman team or anything, we practice falling, rolling. Uh, a lot of the injuries that people get hurt is, is either breaking a limb, you know, because they don't land properly, or thumping their head. So that's, that's most of the injuries that are going to happen. So I know that. So the first thing I do is start teaching these girls how to do that stuff. I took taekwondo uh, a lot. So I did that and some gymnastics, and I was always very athletic. So it's the, the learning curve is you can learn if you can survive the falls because you will fall. When I'm teaching my, my students now, I, I actually encourage the falling. 
You know, and then when we get up there the first time, I have them jump off and all that. And then by the time they do fall, they know how to fall. And you can't right. be ready for every single type of fall, but at least, you know, you hit the ground and keep moving and rolling and keep your chin tucked and your arms tucked in. But, uh, you know, it, I see a lot of kids trick riding, and it scares me, especially when the horse is tight, when you're tied into the horse, like, or going under right. the belly. Because when that horse, you got, you're dropping the reins. And you have that horse boot scooting as fast as it can around the outside of the arena, and it falls, which I've seen it. It's just a, uh, it's awful. I know people that's really gotten mangled like that. Oh, goodness. Yeah, for me, I got out of that early. <laughs> I know some some of my <laughs> friends are still still my age doing that trick ride, and I'm like, dude, get a comedy act, really. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds like it worked out good for you. And then you started doing stunts for for movies after learning out how to do all the trick riding, or did was that the next in progression? Well, that was in progression. So eighty nine, I moved out to Florida and got those jobs at Medieval Times, Arabian Nights, and then they opened up the Universal Studios in uh, what ninety one, I believe, in in uh, Orlando, maybe ninety ninety one. So I was right there, and I was like, yeah, I want to do it in this stunt team started up and I got on the stunt team and my dad's real big and uh, got got into back into stunts there too. So, oh, did he really? Did, you got to work with your dad then? Oh yeah, I've worked with my dad a lot on uh, on different productions. But it was pretty fun at the really time was. when we were, uh, we, we would practice just doing stunts and everybody on the stunt team had something to share. Like I had horses, uh, one guy had an airbag, another guy had like repelling equipment, so we tried to get everybody on the team. To, every weekend we'd go and practice. That's how I learned to do a lot of stunts for film. Right. The type of stuff, just hanging out with those type of guys. We we practiced a lot. As much as I practice, I feel like I really should be getting more jobs. <laughs> 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 but uh, I was just kidding. But yeah, I mean, we used to practice every weekend for men. A couple years back in uh, back in ninety two, ninety one, ninety two. And then actually, 92, I got hired to go over to the Buffalo Bills Wild West show in Paris, France. And, uh, oh, wow. That was real fun. That was my college years, pretty much. Because <laughs> I, was, I was 21 <laughs> and 22. I stayed there for two years working for Euro Disney. They opened that show, the Buffalo Bills Wild West show. And uh, I learned how to do a lot of stuff over there. That's where I learned how to turn a horse upside down by, by a guy named Mario Larashi, who is considered, uh-huh. considered probably Europe's you know, the best horseman in Europe, um, or movie stuntman horse, you know, or most famous, I should say. You got to be cautious when you say the best horseman because there's so many different aspects of horses and everybody's good at different things. But he's uh, really right. good at the stunts with horses. Was that Paris show, was that a traveling show or was that in one location? And you it, was, it was at Euro Disney Land. Disney. Okay. Yeah, Disney opened up a resort over there. And they put in, the first thing they, uh, show they put in was Wild West Show. It was a dinner theater and, uh, it's all out Disney. It's, you know, when they have, have you ever heard that term Mickey Mouse it? Yes. You know, or put duct tape on it, whatever, but, uh, they, right. they sure, they sure didn't do that at this show. I was just, this, this show was huge and it was, uh, compared to Arabian Nights now, that was a nice show. I mean, well, Times had nice lighting and stuff, but to go over there, I mean, it was, the lighting system was phenomenal. The gates, the everything to me was just first class. 
So we got to work like a, we did Pony Express races, and I got to portray an Indian, which was really fun. I'd jump off a, a horse onto a stagecoach. I don't have I, I'm actually uh, an eight Cherokee. I don't uh, ever feel too bad playing an Indian, but the, the Indians over there, they're real, real Indians, mostly 75% Indian, some kind Dakota, Sioux. They were all different kinds. It was tough teaching them to Roman ride, and that was a big part of the show where the, the Indian attacked the stagecoach and uh, would jump off his horse onto the stagecoach, kill the condu- uh, kill the driver, and then uh, Roman rides the four up Tino. Actually, a really fun scene to do. I mean, yeah, I had a lot of we'd rehearse that over and over, and then do that scene. That was a that was pretty fun. I, I bet was, that was four horses and you're Roman riding. Yes, actually, actually, it's probably considered uh, Hungarian riding because Roman is out to the side or abreast. You know, that's how the Roman rode. But they were uh-huh. yeah, two in the front, uh, wheeler and leaders. Sometimes I'd. Uh, We'd do a fix-up once in a while just for fun, but <laughs> wow! The arena. How good, how good do those horses have to be to be able to to do that? Mario prepped them, so they drove already. And then uh, when we got there, they didn't know a lot of stuff. There was a lot of uh, problems still. They were still pretty good. We had this one mare that was terrible. She just kept coming in heat all over the place, and it was just it was really bad. That was a big problem. Glad I never had to drive her. <laughs> I don't want to jump on, <laughs> jump over her, but um, <laughs> most of the horses were all pretty good. We we took them out in the forest a lot when I first got there. We took three months uh, after the original cast got to Paris. We took uh, three months. Every day we'd go out to Mario Larachi's house. Well, for two months, and that was out in the out in the forest, and we trained these horses and put time and just ride them. We did a lot of trail riding with them, just a lot of riding, just put a lot of miles on them. And then most of them, half of them all had to lay down. So he had already prepped them how to lay down. So I'd never really seen how Mario laid his horses down. So a lot of the trainers that I see that I've, I haven't seen a lot of technique, I just see him do it. And I had to figure out uh-huh. my own way how to do it. You know, although Mario would, would show me or help me a little bit, nobody like that. Uh, I was always... People, I think, I don't know, people have not always went out of their way to help me. And I've always, you know, well, I keep good. my mouth shut. I do keep my mouth shut, but they know, uh, they always think, oh, Tommy don't need no help. Tommy don't need no help. He's a... Yeah, but keep, keep your mouth shut and your ears open. You learn a lot more that way. Yep, that's what my dad always said. So. You're in your young 20, early 20s, rather, and you're in Paris for two years. Was there time away from the show that you got to enjoy life a little bit as well? Uh, yeah, it was a lot of time away. Uh, our contract, I don't know who was thinking this, but, you know, you work in France. <laughs> they, have, uh, they, they, they don't work as hard as we do here. I mean, they work hard, I, should say, but I shouldn't say, but uh, they have a lot of time off. So our right. contract was work three days, have four days off. Work four days, have three days off. But I did some very important key roles of the show, and they, there was a lot of nights they couldn't do without me. Uh, it's just like some other times. And and people were getting hurt. People would get injured. A lot of sprained ankles, uh, broken hands, you know, just like I was saying, these guys don't know how to fall. This because your rodeo, they hired rodeo cowboys and Native American Indians that knew how to ride, but that was about it. <laughs> it that was the only requirement. Yeah, and, and, and I watch some of the uh, the videos now, and I, I should have had a lot. I had a lot of wrecks. 
but because I knew how to roll out of it, um, it saved me. You know, I sure I sprained at knees and stuff, and but I've only broken one bone, my one finger, and that's it. I'm in a knee surgery. That's amazing. But um, uh, uh, over there, the stagecoach ran over my Achilles heel actually and put me out for a few days. But for the most part, I worked all the time, and see, they I had all these positions in the show, so I would just save up my days off. And I'd save up, but uh, then I came home one time for three weeks and worked on a movie. That was in 92. And got my Screen Actors Guild card for working on the movie. Then I went back to France. And the whole time I was getting paid there and just paid there. So I was doing pretty good. I was one happy guy there. I bet. Yeah, and, I, and then I was going to leave the first year from come back home because of the movie stuff. But they offered me such a good raise. It was a, a, almost $300 a week raise, a better position, and... A car. <laughs> I was like, okay. That sealed the deal? Yeah, I was like, okay, I'll stay <laughs> one more year. And uh, then when I came back from France in 93, uh, I got a job on the Ringling Hannaford Circus. Not the Ringling Circus, the Hanif- Tommy Hannaford Circus. And he's out of Sarasota, Florida, Osprey, Florida, actually. I went on the um, that show for three years. I started riding for a guy named Mark Caroli, who does a comedy riding act. His wife got pregnant. And uh, she couldn't do any serious writing on the show anymore, so he had to find somebody to do some serious writing so he could make fun of it, because it was a comedy act. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so the bareback riding, of course, is vaulting in a circle. So you have the ring curb, and the horse goes around to the left in the, about a 42-foot uh, ring curb. And uh, you stand yes. up and do tricks. Well, I had learned that at Arabian Night. And the funny thing is, is I'm pretty good at it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a real good bareback rider. And I never uh-huh. do it outside of for someone else. What makes you a good bareback rider? I mean, what tips? Because I've tried it, and I, I always thought my balance was pretty good until I tried bareback, and then I just I'm sliding all over the back of that horse. Well, okay. So when I say bareback riding, I think uh, you might not understand what I'm talking about. But first, about your bareback riding is um, just riding without a saddle, riding a horse, sitting on the horse. Right. Yeah, yes. it, you know, the the younger you learn how to ride bareback, and the more you keep with it, the better you're going to be. The older you get, the harder it is to learn. It's really harder to learn the older you get. That's what I've noticed with people. The one, That's my problem. The, yeah, the one thing is bareback, you have to know how, that, how to come off real easy. And simply grab onto the mane. Don't release all the contact of the rein. With both hands, grab onto the mane, keeping a hold of the rein. And slide, slide one leg off, one side or the other. Landing forward, running, still in control of the horse. You need to do that uh-huh. at a walk, at a trot, both sides, at a walk, at a trot. That way, when you're riding bareback and la, 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 all of a sudden your horse scoots out from underneath you and you're going to fall off, you have no other choice, you grab that mane, boom, put your feet underneath you and start running, start moving, whichever way I the see. horse is going. What makes me so good is because I've been doing it since I was a little kid. And I've uh, just been doing I When I do shows, sometimes we have two shows a day, and just had a ton of positions riding a horse bareback. And I ride bareback like uh, no problem. That's one of the... Uh, you got to keep your legs straight, too, and ride from the knees up. And uh, it's all about balance, too. I think that, that riding with you from your knees up is the hardest thing for me, personally. But I'll keep working on it. Well... So what, you, what helps me is pointing my toes. When I ride, I point my toes. A big misconception people have is they should always heels down. 
heels down. People think heels down because their trainers tell them heels right. down all the time. Well, yes, when you have a stirrup in, your ride and dressage heels down. But when you are bareback, weight should go through your foot and it needs to go toes down, point your toes. And I'll really point my toes. Uh. And when you point your toes, but at the top of your legs, those muscles flex. When you curl your toes as, as heels down with no saddle, your right. butt muscles and the back of your muscles flex. So you're actually picking yourself up off the horse. So you have pointing your toes. That's what makes me a good bareback rider. I point my toes and when I, I pop myself back into position, I use my instep uh, on the horse's uh, shoulder. So I'm going to fall off to the to the right. I I use my instep in my foot and put it right down uh, on the horse's shoulder, bounce myself back into position. So huh. those are the reasons why I'm a good bareback rider. So all that practice in Florida that you guys were doing with the stunt people, that really paid off. When you got back into the States, was there just not enough stunt work for you to stay in the movies? You know, I, I did. When I came back to the States, I hustled for a couple months. And I didn't work, I didn't work, and, you know, I, I'd go and carry bags and do all kinds of stuff, and I, I, I wasn't making any money. And I stayed at my parents' house when I came back. I had a, about an RV, because I you knew I was going to travel doing something. So I was staying at my parents' property, and, you know, I don't really like doing that. I like making money. So I was, I was always an opportunity, you know, even though I was wanted to do stunts really bad. And sometimes I look at my friends who stuck with it, and they're really doing good and stuff now. Um, you know, second unit directing. That's been awesome. But um, oh, wow. I just got opportunities to go on the circus. So I think it was a 500 performance or something. I don't know. I was, gonna, I was making 1200 a week. On the, Pretty good money for a young man. Yeah, you know. And uh, did you have any of your own horses at that time, or were you just riding the the circus horses? Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Uh, so uh, t- up all my life, I mean, I owned a horse when I was a young uh, when I was a kid, and of course we had a couple of mustangs that were adopted in my name. You didn't have your own horses at the the circus yet, right? So yeah, that was ninety ninety five. Uh, no, yeah, 95 is when I first bought my own horses, paid for myself. I mean, my parents bought me horses when I was a kid, but 95 was uh, my horse, Poker Joe, which I still have now. He's 21. And then uh, a couple other, uh, another horse, Miss Kitty, we call her. And see, Tommy, I was in the Hannaford show, and the owner comes up to me and he says, hey, I want to do a um, production next year with all that like, Cowboys Wild West production. And it's to open the show, and everybody's going to be involved in it. And I'm, it's going to be all centered around you, though. And you got to do the Texas skip. Can you do the Texas skip? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I want you to Roman ride after that. I want you to Texas skip down, Roman ride after that. Your, your team in, get off, and then other things are going to be going on. Trick rope, trick ride in the circle, Western style with the, the Western saddle. Trick rope, and then a bull whip. I did a bull whip. And a big loop finished it off. All in, I think it was about four minutes. Wow. So I said, uh, he said yeah, that's my idea. And I said, yeah, I could do that. Sure, no problem. So first thing I did was start practicing the Texas skip. <laughs> and uh, the next thing I did was went out and looked for horses. I had to buy horses, which I didn't have. And then I had three months to get them ready for the next year when he told me. Because he told me, I think in October... 
And yeah, we opened uh, in February. Oh. And just for our listeners, Tommy, what is a Texas skip? Texas skip is, uh, oh, you take a rope and spin it to your side and then jump through it, jump in and out of it. Ah, got it. So there's no there's no horse involved. That's just all roping skills. That's just roping skills, yeah. You know, I had that Texas skip down so good, but the whole show started with me doing the Texas skip. It would, you know, lights out, dun, 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 you know, the lights, spotlights are going around for, you know, just a second build yeah. up. But um boom, Tommy Hennifer's Wild West. All four spots are on me on the Hippodrome track. And I start my spin and my rope. And the first 10 times, I hit myself right upside the head. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so embarrassing. I could do it in practice all day long. But I tell you, when I got out there in front of an audience, something changed. You know, I pick it up and do it again. A couple of times I didn't get it. And then, of course, the other parts of the, the act, you know, Roman riding, either Roman riding in or, or something. And in the circus, you cannot afford your horse to poop on the on the mat because you're on a mat, you know, in there, rubber mat. Uh-huh. You don't want that horse to, to go on there because you got to clean it up real quick because if he steps on it, any horse steps on it, it's going to slide. So not only right. not only are they, well, they might get hurt, but it's going to scare them. And then they're not going to run very fast after that if they slide a little bit, you know. So you got to stop everything, clean it up. And but you know that would happen once in a while. So I had to teach my horses not uh, how to go to the bathroom before the act. <laughs> and then <laughs> the things you got to learn to be in this business. You're doing that. Te- you try to do that Texas skip. Is that about the time you decided you wanted to do a comedy act? All right. Well, like I said, I was working for Mark Caroli. <laughs> who had a comedy act, and he's one of the funniest men on horseback. Also, Gaylord Maynard, who I had a lot of contact with, he did a drunk comedy act with his horse. And then, of course, there was Shoshone the Pony. So I've seen quite a few different comedy acts. I've been very fortunate where I've worked to look at and see other comedy acts with horses, where most people have never seen one. They see mine, and they think, oh, the that's the only one I've ever seen. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of other good ones. And just for our listeners' benefits, too, the, um, one of the videos that you have, the funniest horse act ever, has gotten over 4 million views on YouTube. That's pretty good. That is. I wish I was getting paid for each YouTube hit. Hey, I also noticed on, from your videos that, that you also train dogs as well. Well, I train my dogs. <laughs> I, I'm still learning as a dog trainer. I never realized I had so much to learn. You know, there's things that my dogs do, and I, I teach them. They got they'll go get a root beer out of the fridge or a root beer out of the cooler or any other beverage. And uh, I've, I've got them do a lot of stuff around the horses, but I never knew how much I had to learn. Yeah, I'm still learning how to train dogs. Does that does that adage uh, you got to be smarter than the horse? Does that work for dogs? You got to be smarter than the dog. It does. Or is it a different style of training? Well, it is a different style. You cannot mix. That's one thing I do know, and I think I, I got it up on a lot of people, is, I, you know, I, yes, I'm a good dog trainer, and I'm a good horse trainer, but you combine them both together, you can have a horse and a dog have a relationship, an understanding relationship. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, a loving relationship, not not with this breed, but they do have an understanding relationship. The healers that I have, I, and don't ask me why I have healers. I just always have, and I've loved the breed, and so I always get them. 
But really, they are uh, bred to be aggressive biters, healers. That's what they get the name from, to bite cows and move them out of that underbrush to uh, aggressively go after the heels. So with that instinct in them, they'll, if they're not trained from when they're young to never, and you never allow them to do that, and you let them do it a couple of times, and if they get kicked, they're really going to want to do it more. <laughs> Some people say they think right. a dog get kicked, that'll teach them. Not a healer. All that does is teach them to come at the horse from a different direction. So what, what I've yep. done is uh, integrated the dog and the horse together. And I keep in mind that the horse is a prey animal and the, and the dog is a predator. And, and you think about what a horse is afraid right. of uh, and what it does. You know, a horse is afraid of everything. <laughs> a horse is afraid of dying. And when they're when their their instinct is to run, they might kick first, right? But they're going to run. Their instinct is to run. Right. Where a dog, his instinct, the canine, his instinct is to fight or act tough, right? That's why you see all these little dogs that would, you know, you can kick off no problem, but they they act tough. Their nat- natural yeah. reaction is to stand your ground and fight and not run. So you have two different species. And then have you trained any other animals? Have you ever tried training cats? No, 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 no. But I do have an internship program. That's a joke. Those are my animals. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I also, when I was doing research for the podcast, I noticed that your sister Karen worked for Cavalia. You've got an animal training family, it seems like. That's pretty cool. We do, yeah. She was on uh, Tommy Garden. Circus too, doing the Liberty Act, and yes, she did. She worked on Cavalia seven years, I think five or some five, maybe five years. She worked at Arabian Nights. She also worked as Annie Oakley over at the Wild West Show. Not that I've gotten her the job, her talent has gotten her the job, but because I was at those shows, I was able to get her in front of the right people to get her hired. So she, you know, she's had a good run. The difference between funny and fiasco is sometimes a very fine line. Do you have a story of maybe one show where you had big plans, but just nothing went right, whether it was the horse or the audience, or you were just off that night? Do you have a story you could tell us? You know, I have, I have many. <laughs> I, one of the first embarrassing moments I've ever had, I was at Arabian Night for two two months, and I still hadn't rode a horse in the show and cleaning stalls all day, and you just want to get it on there. You know, all the other performers, everybody's riding horses in the show. Everybody's got parts in the show. And finally, it was my opportunity. I was doing props. You, know, you have to start with props. You run a lot of props. You do everything. You stay busy. So finally, it was my turn to do the flag drill, which was a guy and a girl, each with American flag suit on, an outfit on, and the, the horse had a pad on American. You had flag, uh, a flag. So you're running with the flag, and what you do is go out full speed and cross down at the other end, do uh, thread the needle, not thread the needle, but across the center, cross the center again, and then circle out just as fast as you can. People are supposed to, because you're doing other parts of the job, uh, the show, people are supposed to take a saddle off like the trick riding saddle and then put it on, uh, put on a regular saddle and prep the horse for the next day. Well, I got my time. I had barely enough time to make it from the other end of the arena get my costume on, and run out there and get on my horse. Well, the first time I put my costume on, I'm trying to figure out the chaps and stuff, finally get everything on, run out there, and my horse is not on the wall where he's supposed to be. I'm like, oh, man, this is terrible. I run down there, and I drag the <laughs> horse up, and it's time. And this girl, 
she's saying enough to say, she says, you're never going to make it. I'm like, I'm panicking. I'm like, what am I going to do? She's like, you can ride this horse, but he's never done it before. I was like, I don't care. I'll muscle him through it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to muscle him through it. So she got off and I jumped right on the horse, grabbed the flag. They put a flag boot on the horse real quick. And then the curtain opened and I, we took off and I got out to the other end of the arena. She didn't fight in the saddle. So I, <laughs> the, the saddle <laughs> completely goes underneath the horse. But as it starts to go, I'm pulling up, right? I'm pulling up and I'm stopping. The saddles underneath the horse are halfway off the horse, really. Halfway off the horse this time. But I've got the horse pulled up and I'm sitting square in the horse's back. That saddle may be on the side, but I'm still <laughs> riding the horse. <laughs> so now I'm trying to put the, my foot in the stirrup and, you know, kick the, and it, it get that saddle back over. So I get the saddle back over. Right. Horse is spinning around. I get it. Finally, I come, I come in and I think I'm in under control. But by this time, the girl that is doing the routine had already halfway finished the routine. So I had to pick up where, where you know, she was. So I turned back around the other end right. and I ran down to the other arena into the arena, and there went the saddle again. And that time, I just I had to step off. <laughs> the, the saddle was so loose, it went underneath the horse's belly. I had the flag in my hand. It's, it's wrapped completely around me. So I'm trying to, I'm not, I'm not worried about the flag when I can't drop the flag on the ground, you know, because then people get mad at you. So I'm like, oh, i got to right. keep the flag up, and I'm trying yeah. to do the one hand, uh, hold on to the horse, and all that's doing is scaring the horse. So I'm trying to get the, the saddle from underneath the horse's belly. Looks just like my comedy act right now. The saddle, saddle goes underneath the horse's belly. Finally, yep. this guy come out, and, you know, he kind of shakes me. Calm down, calm down. Just leave, leave. Just go. And I was like, thank you. I just left with the flag, and he got the horse, you know, took the horse, and I walked back. And that was the most embarrassing moment right off the first time I've ever performed. Uh, how many shows a year do you do? I'm very fortunate to have acts, and that's one thing I did learn, I guess. Uh, about the entertainment business from my predecessor or people who taught me, right. you know, you, you have to be able to work everywhere. My acts can work anywhere there's dirt, anywhere there's an audience. Yes, and it, they they look amazingly versatile. You do the uh, dressage act, I've seen that. It's just amazing. Well, I do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Yeah, I, I didn't realize I was going to be telling my life story this morning, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, it's kind of interesting to to tell my story because it reminds me of where I'm from and I, I'm from a very humble beginning and I, I mean still humble now I mean I, you know, we don't have we have we can we have a lot of horses let's just put it that way <laughs> it makes your life very very rich I think yes it does have a great day Tommy okay thank you very much you too well that'll do it for this show I'll have the links to Tommy's website and Facebook page in the show notes at wopodcast.com. Please visit wopodcast.com and sign up for our emails to stay up to date. Have a suggestion for a guest? A comment? Email john at wopodcast.com. And you can use the Apple app to subscribe to the Woe Podcast and you'll never miss an episode. You can also subscribe on Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. They're all free. And all are on WoePodcast.com. The Woe Podcast is produced by John and Renee Hare with support from you, our listeners. If you would like to support the show, 
visit wopodcast.com and simply click on the Patreon button. It's the big orange one. Can't miss it. Thanks again for listening to and sharing this podcast with your riding buddies. Until next time, go have some fun with your horses. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Bye-bye, everybody. The Woe Podcast is produced and direct is produced and directed. <laughs> Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs>